0: Well, my family and I uh, love to create playlists of our favorite bands, our favorite artists. Especially now with services like Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, it's super easy. You can take uh, you, you can take from all of what a band or an artist produce and just listen to what you like. Just listen to the hits, according the hits according to the Hempel family. Uh, So, you know, just a few clicks and you've created your own Greatest Hits playlist. And then, depending on our mood, maybe you're in the mood for um, something mellow, something acoustic, or maybe something medley. You can create playlists that that mix bands and artists. So, uh, you know, it's sort of like the Sonic Buffet. If we're all honest, we do the same thing with Jesus. We all have a tendency to take all of what Jesus said, all of what he did, and just pull and pluck our favorite, greatest Jesus hits. We all do this from from one degree to another, myself included. And we do that, uh, and when we do that, we we create a, a Jesus playlist that sounds nice, that um, seems to be more palatable to what we like, and I think what's behind this is a desire to tame Jesus, to to make him less radical than he really is, to uh, domesticate him, to make him less wild. But Jesus doesn't allow us to do that. Doesn't allow us to have selective hearing just listen to the parts we want to listen to. No, to be, f- to be a faithful follower, to be a faithful disciple of Jesus means that I have to let go of my playlist and take Jesus um, for all that he said and all that he did in it, its totality. So today we're, we're uh, finishing a series of messages on the seven I am statements of Jesus, the exclusive claims of Jesus um, in John's gospel. So to review John 6, I am the the bread of life. John 8, I am the light of the world. John 10, I am the door. John 10 again, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, I am the way, the truth in the life. Today, we're, we're covering the last I am statement, I am the true vine, or I am the true grapevine. It, it's the same context as, as last week when we looked at Jesus being the, the way, the truth, and life. Uh, same somber night, same room with these uh, same 11 guys, Judas had left at that point. So in in classic vintage Jesus form, he he chooses yet another metaphor, a a picture of our relationship with him, or our lack of relationship with him, a picture of our union with him, or our lack of union with him. So it's found in uh, John 15, verses 1 through 14, and why don't we stand as we read this together? You may ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved you, uh, as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. The word of God. You can have a seat. So, the final "I am" statement: "I am the true vine. I am the true grapevine." So let's examine the parts of, of this metaphor, and I want us to especially notice the function or the purpose of each: the vines, uh, the vine, the branches and the gardener. So let's begin with uh, the true vine. Verse 1 again says, I am the true grapevine. Verse 5 says, yes, I am the vine. Jesus didn't pull this out of of the blue, um, out of nowhere. Um, About 700 years earlier, the the prophet Isaiah wrote these words. Check out the parallels, okay? Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stone, stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a winepress in, in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard? that I have not already done. When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make, a, make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead found, found oppression. He f- ex- expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. A little later, 22 chapters later, Isaiah writes this in chapter 27, verse 6. The time is coming when Jacob's descendants will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the whole earth with fruit. What's Jesus saying when he says, I'm the true grapevine? He's saying this. That time that Isaiah said will come has now come. I am the true vine. I am the true grapevine. Uh, The true and better Israel. Life, joy, fruitfulness is only found in me. They're not found in a self-help program. They're not found in a guru. They're not found in a podcast series. They're not found in a behavior modification plan. If you believe, if if you believe that, then you've really been ripped off. You've really been taken advantage of. Life, joy, fruitfulness can only come from a relationship with me. The true vine, the source of life, the source of joy, the source of fruitfulness. I am that vine. So that's the vine. Let's move on to the branches. Verse 5 and 6, again, say, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those branches who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you, branch, can do nothing. Anyone, any branch who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Israel, um, like the rest of humanity, uh, had become broken branches, all of us, off the vine, off the source of life, all of our sin, all of our fruitlessness, all of our bitter grapes in the words of Isaiah, is evidence of that fact. Israel's, Israel's history is, just, uh, is a, just a picture of all of our history, really, really. We, we all search for life. We, we are like joy hounds. Every one of us, every day, every moment of every day is searching for joy, searching for meaning, searching for satisfaction, searching for purpose. And we all have a tendency to search for all of that apart from God. Apart from the source. We were broken branches, all of us, myself included. When we go camping, we we always uh, buy our bundles of of wood at the camp at the campground. But I uh, but I usually forget one thing, kindling. So uh, we're we're left uh, gathering a few pieces of like sticks and whatnot for for kindling to get things going and have a rip-roaring fire. But the key, anytime you're finding sticks, is to find ones that are really old, that have been disconnected from the vine because because they've been, (laughs) as a result of their disconnection, they're really dry. They're really primed for getting getting a good fire going. This is what it looks like in my life. (laughs) I, I have a strong tendency to look for joy by being wanted, to look for joy by, by being approved, to look for joy by being desired, to look for joy by being respected. I have a strong desire to, to, to look for joy in accomplishing things, to look for joy and and having things under control and having my life just buttoned up. I have a real tendency to to look for joy and and not having to worry about money or by purchasing the latest, greatest, whatever. I find again and again that, that I'm looking to these sources and not the ultimate source for joy, for life. I have an appetite that these other sources, s- small s, can't cannot satisfy. Might be able f- to for a while, might be able to partially, but not fully, not completely. So uh, a long time ago, in high school, I realized. I needed to be reconnected to the vine. Well, how do you get reconnected to the vine? This was what Jesus said all the time. Uh, this is an example. Mark 1, the, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Believe the gospel. So, um, many of us have a lot of bad associations with that word repentance. You you probably think "Eh, something along the lines of, uh, you know, I've been bad, and now it's time to face the one I've offended. But when we see repentance through the lens of the gospel, that the the God-man, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us, and now calls us friends. It's not bitter. I don't know. It is sweet. Repentance is sweet. Repentance is simply an, an admission, uh, 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 an opportunity for us to get really real and honest with the fact that we're broken branches. We are all broken branches. Verse 13, 14 says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. The gospel tells us that, that our position as friends does not change. Let me, do, let me repeat that. Our position as Jesus' friends does not change if we believe him, if we put all of the weight of our trust on him. That's why repentance is sweet. Repentance is sweet because we know that offense that we committed has been paid for. Repentance is just one more expression of our dependence on the vine. In this case, we're dependent on his mercy that he's already shown us. So uh, the words, I am the true vine, are utterly reorienting. They, they, they remind me that the, the source of life, the source of joy, the source of fruitfulness is a person, and that person's name is Jesus. Life and joy are not found in the approval of others, not found in whatever it is that I accomplish, not found in having my financial house in order, not found in anything but Jesus. Life and joy are found in Jesus alone. Life and joy are found in my belonging to him. Nothing more, nothing less. So that's the vine, that's the branches. The third character in this metaphor is the gardener. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. Um, So you have this union with Christ between all of of us who believe, all of us who are followers of of him, and the vine. And then this other character gets introduced. The gardener, the father, cuts off and he cultivates. He destroys and he disciplines. Verse 6 Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches. Are gathered into a pile to be burned. So someone might ask, uh, "Wait a second, uh, can I lose my salvation? Is is that what Jesus is saying? He he seems to be saying that I belong to Him, I was His branch." connected to the vine but then something happened and i chose not to remain in him remain connected to the vine and as a result i was like one of those pieces of kindling i dried out and i was no good but for so the fire is is that what he's saying Does it depend on my faithfulness? Does it depend on my righteousness? John 1, 12. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Is it possible to be a child of God and then booted out of the family? John 3, uh, verses 5 and 6, I assure you, Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So is it possible to be born again by the Spirit and then not to have life? Have death? One more scripture. Uh, John 10, 27 20, uh, to 29. He's talking about the sheep. He says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. So, is it possible to be a sheep that he says no one can snatch them from me and then be snatched? Well, the answer is a firm no. It's a no to all of these. And, and Jesus just labors and labors and labors to teach the very opposite of of the tendency to think our salvation is on us. And if it's on us, we can lose it. The fact is, we were all dead. Every one of us. Ephesians 2. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I'll I'll get it. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Okay. says this, and you were dead in the, tra- in, the, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of di- disobedience. Down to verse 4. But God... Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What Jesus is is doing then is he's warning against being fair weather fans. Fair weather fans of Jesus. Jesus. And this is a this is a call to re- regardless of the weather, regardless of the circumstances, we must remain in him. Uh, Judas was exhibit A of the fair weather fan. When the heat of life got really hot and Jesus didn't didn't wasn't appearing to be fulfilling what he had Envisioned, he left. But there are lots of places uh, you know, where, where people stop following Jesus for the same reason because things got hard. It's like the, uh, the parable of the sower, the, the, the seed of the life giving word of God. Um, farmer threw that seed all over the place. Some fell on the path, some fell on uh, rocky soil that came up for a while, but but then it died because it didn't take root. Some fell among thorns that got crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit gets produced. Others fell on rich soil, fertile soil that produced a hundredfold. Remaining in the vine does not make you a disciple. It proves you're a disciple. It proves, it shows, it demonstrates your sincerity, your genuine desire. One person has put it this way. your, Your ready acceptance of being washed and pruned is the sign that you are already washed and pruned. So the gardener cuts off and destroys. He also prunes and cultivates. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. What we want to s- what we need to see is God is the ultimate master gardener. He knows what he's doing. Pruning doesn't always feel good. I've been through some pruning myself. I'm sure everyone in this room has been there too. I mentioned a, a couple of circumstances in the life of our body. Uh, just, to, just in my, my prayer. Those, those are hard times to, to lose someone that you've been so close to. Pruning is the process of God lopping off all that we thought we needed for life, all that we thought we needed for joy to produce even more life, to produce even more joy. So lest we think of God as some sadistic puppet, a puppet master, uh, who who delights in our pain or uh, who could care less about it, I would say, remember the raising of Lazarus we looked at just two weeks ago. Remember how Jesus responded to that pain. Jesus knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead but was outraged. He was outraged by death, but he was also outraged by by the source of death, the, the reason for death. Sin in all its varied forms. Outraged by pain of every kind. So we need to keep that in view as we consider the Father's role as Master Gardener. Sometimes he allows the, the betrayal of a close friend or the betrayal of a close, uh, of, of a spouse for us to, to realize that he alone is the only one completely worthy of our trust. That's fruitfulness. Sometimes he allows uh, a job to be taken, taken away for us to realize that he alone is the provider. He alone is the source of all that we need. It's, it's not our abilities, it's not our winsome personality, it's not our uh, huge stellar networking skills. No, no, it's him. That's remaining the vine. That's fruitfulness. Sometime, sometimes he allows, <laughs> um, you know, you, you can just picture the, the, the lopping off of, oh, don't cut that. You can just picture him lopping these things off and and allowing good things uh, to take a long time to come as a a way of teaching us patience, teaching us perseverance, endurance. What is that? Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is a result of remaining in him. Well, did any of these things happen without God lopping off Parts of the vine? No. Behind every seeming setback, every loss, every heartache, every sickness, every frustration is a God who is wanting us to abide in Him. To experience His power. To see the fruit, the evidence in our lives to look at us and say, you are beautiful. 90 years old. You are more beautiful than you were when you were 20 because you have more of Christ in you. So, to wrap up, where are you at with this? Are, are Are you sincerely, genuinely, Focused on growing more and more closely to close to the vine, close to Jesus. Are you you tired of looking to to lesser vines to to produce joy that that only Jesus can give? Are you uh, tired of trying to make the fruit happen by short circuiting the friendship with him that he offers? We're all experiencing a bit, <laughs> more than a bit, of uncertainty right now. Uh, next week is my, my last week. I'm going to preach my last sermon. That's really, really painful. Really weird. Am I, am I worried about the future? To be honest... Yeah. Are, are you worried about what's around the corner for, for you as a church? Probably. But Jesus offers us another way. Do you trust the Father as the master gardener, gardener who knows exactly what he's doing? Do you believe that he is for you, not against you? That's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation for those of you who are connected to the the vine. So life, (laughs) I didn't write this, but I feel like there's another another question that needs to be answered. What do you look like? uh, What do you do when you are behaving like a broken branch? How does God view you? You know, uh, when we go on here, probably, (laughs) probably right now. we're we're filled with thoughts, desires, some of which are out of line with God. That's reality. Because hear this. Even though we have been made, even though Christ has connected us back to him through his cross, through his resurrection, we are still broken. We are still sinful. The difference between a broken branch and a branch still connected to the vine is that we've been cleansed, we've been pruned, we've been purified by the cross. That's the difference. If you have trusted in him, trusted in him for uh, that salvation, Um, you are in him. You are united to him. You are connected to to the, the branch. There is nothing and no one that can snatch him from his hand. But maybe, maybe something you've heard today has really resonated with you. In other words, you haven't yet repented and believed the gospel, and you're ready to do that, I would just encourage you to, 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 there are a, a couple of people who are gonna, uh, you know, that have availed themselves to pray with you. I would really, really encourage you, each, each one of you, if you have not closed with Jesus, to do that Now, As we close, there is no greater uh, joy in life, no greater fruitfulness than being connected to him. Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you for coming for us, for, for not leaving us in our sin, not leaving us in our, in our death, not leaving us in our fruitlessness, but choosing to come. To, to live our life that we should have lived, but ultimately to, to die our death so we wouldn't have to. We praise you for your sacrifice. You are incredibly merciful, incredibly generous. But at, at the same time, let us be warned of uh, the penalty for not believing on you, not trusting on you, not putting the full weight of our whole being on Jesus. So I, I just pray that for for um, people who have uh, not closed with you but are feeling prompted by you uh, to do that would you do would you help them to have the courage to pray uh, to to um, pray with a f- close friend pray with um, a parent um, pray w- with uh, these couple of people who are uh, on, a, on a prayer team right now. Um, I, I really earnestly pray that, um, that you will unite them to yourself. For the rest of us, those, who, those of us who, who believe in you and follow you, um, help us to remain in you. Help us to stay connected to you. Stay connected to the vine. And when, whenever we uh, lose our way, whenever we uh, find examples um, of uh, life not looking like we're connected to the vine, help us to live in such a way of who we already are in you. We are children adopted by you. We are new creations. And that's nothing... More than an act of your grace and mercy. So we thank you for that. We give you all praise for that. We really do. And we love you.